Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's go, folks. Let's a C3 beat check. We're on Wednesday nights. Ashley, get together. Catch up for the Carolina Panthers. This week, we've got... I've been anticipating this show. No, I am not. This is... And you don't get enough appreciation. David Newton, ESPN beat writer. The man of many questions. is his ear to the ground. And I'm the Pulse is here with us tonight. Cody, I've been excited about tonight for a minute. Uh, I think that uh, when we made, we one day hoped to get in the, like we have tonight, man. Tonight we have Panthers beat reporter for ESPN. You love him. It's Dave Newton. Dave check. How are you? I appreciate it. Uh, the fact that you say you know him, you love him. That may be a very, a lot more. Uh, <laughs> you'll hear from all the love out there. Uh, you know, we have a job to do. We have to ask questions. Uh, want to answer sometimes. And it ticks people away. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It, you know, I actually f- believe that, um, well, first, uh, and I think unfairly, just because of the rap of being softballish, I think it's entirely like that. I do think Jerry trolls on things where you probably had to keep in line enough to where you had to be behave. But I think that you ask uh, questions, uh, ask, um, and, the, and, and may, they might not think a lot of times we know they're not going to answer them need to, it's, you got to do your due diligence. So are excited. I know I am. And I, when I think of your work, it's not, uh, it, it and that's, uh, uh, and people don't get that they got fans. So, uh, it's a C3 thumbs up button. You like this content big week to be catching up with David Newton and, you know, uh, another polarizing figure or Cam Newton, another person I love. I must fig Newton's Dave Newton. Are you a fan, are you a fan of well? Hell yeah. Well, my nickname right. I mean, I, way back when, back in high school, was Fig. So, uh, Isaac, you know, the uh, I know it dates right. guy came out, seemed like a hundred years ago, where they hang on television and doing the, the tricky part going to school, and everybody's saying, Do the tricky part, Fig. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, uh, son is a, I'm a fan of him too, and rationale, 
Uh, and there hasn't been a lot of order in Carolina when recently. So, guys, you guys are in the chat room. Periscope, we're on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever. Get your part. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Everywhere you got, hit your comments. Go ahead and let us this type of content here because I'm just fan. Go ahead start off right away. Let's jump into the football. Darnold injury. The Darnold injury, you know, struggled. Um, podcast, Dave, after the Houston game was not overwhelmed by the performance panthers pull out a third consecutive win well because the first time in a long time i would place and beat the brakes off of a team i thought the defense was just oppressing me more than i expected it to be at this point just seemed to be clicking after week two to beat down an an inferior and it was not a beat in fact it was your kind of luck moment and so right away, I was just of like how quality this. And after that, it started to fall apart. You can Dallas Cowboys game as a tough road game, a good team. But then after it's been a mess. And that the mess has been the quarterback. Yep. Sam. Uh, and now he's injured. What is going quarterback position and with Sam Darnold? I was willing to give Sam every break, and, and he could possibly turn things around. And it looked like for the first, he was headed in the right direction. I, I know having McCaffrey, huge difference. His numbers were, gosh, like double or they were um, without him. So I, in the corner, but then game by game, he just was, and you could just tell just his, his nervous feet in the pocket. And he just never seemed comfortable back there. And I know the offense agrees, and that's contributed to it too. But back in all the old habits he had with the New York Jets and his bid and um, yeah, I, I wrote earlier this before we found out that he had the uh, shoulder injury that it was time to sit him in just permanently because I just don't think he's the answer. I mean, I know the shoulder might have had a little bit to do with happened on Sunday, but I really think that you know there's too much there that he was playing poorly before that, just making poor decisions and decisions he made had a bigger factor than his shoulder. So, um, where they turn from here is going to be interesting because they're option. Um, I think they just, I'm not, I mean, PJ Walker may go out there and win a few games, long term answer. Um, so they've got to find somebody to see uh, out there or, or the trade route because big class of quarterbacks out there, I think, could help them right away. And they win. That's why they were looking at Deshaun Watson. There never wasn't the uh, allegations against him came out, but that's the type of quarterback they have. They have to have. That the Darnold injury is enough <laughs> to warrant IR. Uh, or convenient enough to save organization. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. right. It's he true. Asked, actually, he was asked. You could tell he was getting a little irritated with it. And uh, took this paper and right near the end of the press conference and, and abruptly, but he left. And um, it was a little bit of both. I think he is truthfully is injured. Sure, and, like not a manufactured but think, injury. But I don't think it had to do with what happened on the field. And uh, I, from that standpoint, it gives him an out to, to go ahead and down without having to totally embarrass him. Um, I mean, they put a lot of faith, he and uh, Matt Scott Federer, and bringing this guy in, thinking he could be the guy that can and get this thing going. And he hasn't been that. Um, he really will be. So, yeah, and maybe it'll help him back and watching a little bit because he never he never got that chance. Maybe that'll help him. I don't know. So we'll, we'll no. see. I mean, I just don't want to worry. I'm just not sure that his career is salvage, to be honest. I got one more point, Cody, and I'm giving you okay. the mic. Okay. And I want, David, my th- – not theory. It's not a theory. It's my perception of what's – is that I think that the Carolina Panthers have um, 
Matt Rule comes in and it's like turn the page time, right? So they first separate him. Uh, later, we'll separate with Marty Herney. But then they Teddy Bridgewater. They recognize that that's not enough where they want to be as fast as they want to be. They turn Teddy Bridgewater. They try to take some stabs at some guy, like, uh, um, uh, not the Rams quarterback, Matt Stafford. Yeah. Stafford. And then uh, Watson's dream. You can't bring that in with the legacy of what's been going on with Jerry Richardson. I think that that would be the, a nightmare. Anyway, so there's more swings and misses, swings and misses. And then they go and get what was perceived as a kind of low risk, high reward move, I think, with Sam Darnold that turned out to be a low reward and far greater risk than anticipated. The team swings and misses again on the quarterback position. And right now, I think this is I think that they knew that trotting him out there was not going to work like you said in your in your article it's time to sit him and if not it should have been time to sit him before maybe you shouldn't even played him this last week anyway i think they said this we got to find and and you got a sore a sore a a sore shoulder look at that mri until you find a crack I think there is an injury, but I think that this is something that somebody would return from, number one, under ideal circumstances, play through on other circumstances. And I think this is a way for the organization to save face on a mistake that was Sam Darnold. Because if they bench him, that is them saying we got it wrong. But if we move him to IR, it sucks. And it is what it is. I don't think he plays again for the Carolina Panthers, David. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think uh, there's the truth lies probably somewhere in between what you're saying and, and what's going on here. Um, again, I I haven't seen the MRI. Uh, just been told what was sure. wrong, what they found. And as coaches like to say, I'm not a doctor, so I can't determine. But I've talked to I've talked to our medical expert, Stefania Bell, and and she believes that there is an injury there um, and that that probably impacted him a little bit. Uh, but whether he needs to be out four to six weeks or could come back and play through this, I mean, I think that there's something probably in a week or two they could have, you know, could have let him play through it um, at least after sitting for a week or two. So I think this is their time to, to at least try to see what they have in PGA Maybe even, you know, bring him, let Barkley play a few snaps uh, once he oh, gets from the, uh, Titans. So, I mean, just see what they've got out there and start moving forward because, you know, they their season kind of blew up when they, they lost to the Eagles, to the Giants. Um, and right, right. All games they should have won at that moment. Won. And Matt Rule knew they should have won those games. And a lot of that was if you were a good run. team, it turns out they're not a good team. Yeah. So, they I want they, you to ask your up. medical expert, ask your medical expert this. I've read just a few things on this injury and everything I've read about this injury. They talk about the other injuries that go with it more than this injury. So they say, okay, you got this fracture. Well, that means that you also hurt your neck, your back and this and that. I haven't heard any of that. I've just heard this partial fracture. I think they're going to trot him out with his arm in the sling for two weeks. And then we're never going to see Sam Darnold again. Well, he was on the practice field today. He didn't have his arm in the sling. 
Um, he was staying involved out there, so uh, they're not trying to, to put that image out there for everybody. Okay. So uh, he was there, and, and and look, Sam, I have a lot of respect for Sam. I know I give him a hard time. Uh, he does; he's not very exciting on the field or off the field. Uh, but I think he is a very uh, dedicated guy, very hard worker. He really wants to succeed. I think his teammates actually like him a lot. He just for something, something just missing there. And I, when he was talking a few weeks ago, and he was saying about how, you know, it, it just wasn't working here. And I'm like, well, I, I got to get better. I got to make fix my mistakes. I'm like, but. Sam, it really hasn't worked for four years. And how do you deal with that? And then again, it was almost like that deer in the headlight look. And that's just, I, I'd like to see him just get ticked off, to be honest. And um, he can get ticked yeah. off at me, get ticked off at just the game, his performance at himself. I, I don't know. I'd like to see him get angry a little bit. I know uh, if Cam Newton, for example, when he had bad games, he would, he would look like it was the end of the world for him because he had such a high ceiling and where he wanted to be. And I just, I know there's a good side to being level and not letting emotion get in there, but I just never, I just feel like he needs to be more emotional and show that. But I, I just, I agree. I don't think he plays again this year. If he does, um, that means they just want to get another look at him. One more look at him to see what they got for next year. It's going to be really tough. I mean, unless they go out and pull off a few upsets, I mean, their season to me is, is pretty much over. I hate to be that harsh. I mean, but it, it really, yeah, right. No, that's actually just realistic. That's just real. And Dave, I mean, really, you're you're echoing many of the things that Panther fans have been saying very loudly for a long time now. I wanted to turn your attention to something that happened um, sometime around the off season. Teddy Bridgewater went on a podcast, <laughs> and he basically alluded to the fact that the the Panthers' offense didn't really do a lot of drilling in the red zone. They were really kind of underprepared. And especially, you know, uh, fans were really hard on Teddy Bridgewater last year, myself included. I was not a fan. We weren't big fans of him. I mean, now some. Cam. Yeah, I mean, and, and but look, in light of how Sam's playing, some of us might even like to have him back. But <laughs> my, my question to you is this Do you think that maybe there was some smoke to that fire? Do you think that maybe, uh, you know, Matt Rule is still being a relatively new NFL head coach, that maybe he's still kind of learning the better practices of an NFL practice schedule? And I just wanted to get your comments on that whole situation in general. Well, first of all, I like Teddy a lot. I, I, I thought he was a guy that before the knee injury was playing fairly well and he just didn't seem the same when he came back. And I know he made some critical mistakes in games, you know, holding the ball where he going over the top in the game, they probably should have won. That was, that was critical, but I thought they gave up on him too early. I, I really thought that was the guy that could have played this year and, and been successful. And he's showing he's doing pretty good up at Denver. So um, whether he could have taken him to a Super Bowl, I don't know, but I think he's a guy, that, that had some room to grow and with the grew in this office, I think it'd be better whether he was totally accurate. Yeah. I'm always one to believe where there's smoke, there's fire. So when he said that raised eyebrows with me, the Panthers seem to be practicing a lot more red zone and two minute drills uh, during training camp and, and during the, during the season. So 
Um, whether that was changed because of that or not, I'm not sure. I can't say, but uh, I, I think it really got some attention there. And I, you know, Joe Brady, their offense coordinator, um, he's he's year, what, 32 years old. I mean, he was 31 last year. Crazy, yeah, eight he years called, younger than me. He never called a complete game before he got to the NFL. So I, I think tell you, guy, I think he's a guy that can be successful and, and maybe be brilliant in the league. But I think he's having to grow some too. And I think the fact that it took him a couple of games to get the message. Hey, I've got to get the running game going. Um, I, I think that was a signal that hey, he, he needs to he needs to learn a little bit here about what it's going to take to win the NFL because it's a lot tougher than it is down in college where you know he could do some of the things he did at LSU for that one year. So um, I think it's just been a combination of a lot of things. Uh, young staff, young team, but I do love the defense and the direction they're heading. I think you know by next year, I think they can big consistently a, a defense because one of the best in the league you add a few more pieces they just got to rebuild this offense so starting with the offensive line i mean the one the one thing dave gettleman i loved about him was his hog mollies and when you know but he didn't do it yeah well he brought in some pretty good offense the offensive line was pretty good they just had some really bad luck at, at left tackle especially since jordan gross left i mean yeah um you know I, is I byron bell bad luck though or just or a Matt bad decision. Or Matt Khalil was a terrible, yeah. Players. I mean, that team, and remember, that team was pretty darn good in 2015, yeah. and then it was good. Michael Orr was that. good. It, until it, Once it, we had the concussion with Michael Orr, that's when it started. Like, that made the key, and, and Michael, I thought, was playing at a very high level. He was a guy who was a first-year-round draft pick, you know, the, beyond yeah. the blind side, the stuff that he didn't really like to talk about. He was, he was a very good left tackle, and once – he had that concussion and never came back. They've just been grasping ever since. And um, you, you, you've got to solidify that group. I mean, I, I think Matt Rule understands that. And he's going to go out there and they're going to build through the through the draft and free agency on that offensive line next year. I, I thought they improved their depth this year to where they could handle some of the things that have happened. I, I didn't think they were great, but I thought they had raised their level a notch or two above where they were last year. But um, you know, Cam Irving never really has performed the way I thought he would. Um, He's not even been the worst. This offensive line, though, has been horrendous. It's been the worst well, offensive line and, I think I've ever seen. And that brings me to my next question, Dave. How did the offensive line get this bad? I mean, if they were trying to rejuvenate Sam Darnold's career and seeing how bad things went for him through three seasons up in New York, it would seem to me like if you're trying to get the best out of this young man and jumpstart his career, that you would afford him the protection that he didn't have with his former team. My question is, one, how did it get to be this bad? And then number two, specifically, why haven't we seen more Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown this season? I feel as though... Um, Matt Rule kind of has this Ron Rivera tendency where he has a real hesitancy towards playing some of the younger guys on the football team, almost even uh, at, at a detriment to the team. So just your overall thought on the depth, the O-line, and how it got to be this bad. Well, Deontay Brown's been hurt. He's coming off, uh, looks, it's got to come off the IR this week. So I think you'll see him work back in there. But they, they've had to get his weight issue, which was a problem in college under control where he could be a guy that could play every snap. Um, Brady Christensen has just been average. I mean, 
maybe not quite even average. So that's why he's not in there. And that says something about the other guys, the fact that he's not even able to get on the field against guys that weren't playing very well either besides Taylor Boatman. So uh, Cam Irving, I, I never thought I'd have said after he left the first time with the injury that they'd miss him, but they missed him because despite, the, you know, what others were in there, he was better than them. And, you know, the guard position has been a mess. Now they've lost Matt Paradis, their best offensive line at center. So, I mean, it's, it's really a mess right there on the offensive line right now. And you and you look at the teams that win every year. 2015 is a great example. That offensive line stayed healthy the entire year. And and, and there's a there's a chemistry that's built there that helps them. The Falcons the year they went to the Super Bowl. I don't think they lost a single offensive lineman that year. Uh, the Panthers, even back in 2003, the offensive line was a strength for that team, and and mainly because they didn't get hurt and they 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 could keep together. If you don't have that continuity, I think you can even with not great players, if you get everybody there playing every single game, you can build continuity of working together. That's that's so critical on that offensive line, and they just haven't have, haven't had an opportunity to do that because there've been so many players going in and out with injuries. Kansas City's an example of that is uh, yeah. such a good season that all of a sudden falls apart because of injury at the ends. I mean, like late injuries. Everything was perfect until then. Let's stick on Matt Rule and this coaching staff for a moment. Did we not um, – uh, you know, I felt like everybody – we were so quick to ordain uh, first Joe Brady, right, is everybody is like he's the next wonder boy that's going to be – Sean McVay or whatever it may be. And like you said, he had never even caught a full game, that type of thing. It's like a inexperience there that we're all optimistic about it. Did we maybe overlook the challenges for college coaches coming into the NFL a little bit or excuse them some with Matt Rule? Because what when we look down the roster of coaches on this team, it's not just Matt Rule that's the college coach. Every single coach on this squad has very limited, not every, but a majority of them are inexperienced at the pro level. Do you think that that is related to any of the challenges that the Panthers are facing? Not a lot. I mean, because I, listen, Phil Snow, I've been more impressed with him than anybody on this. this Sure, he gets the pass. He's, he, I mean, he's a guy that's, and he's had NFL experience with, you know, with the Lions, if that counts, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I've been impressed with what they've done with the defensive side. And they've, again, Joe Brady had a little bit of experience uh, working with the Saints as an intern, basically, um, for a couple of years. So he had a little bit of nausea. there. And Matt Rule, you know, spent some time studying the game there and worked that one year with the Giants. I mean, there is a growth period there, but I think Matt Rule has been preparing for this uh, move for a long time and uh, wanting to be in the NFL. And, and he brought guys that were good teachers, and he believes that can work. I just think it takes a while to, to get people to buy into your system. And, um, again, they put a lot of draft picks, a lot of uh, deals to get that defense because he still believes the defense wins, and I think he's on the right track there. But – the offense, they, they just haven't invested in the offensive line particularly. They've got plenty of skilled players to succeed, but they've got to put some draft picks and because they're just not left tackles laying around out there. They had some guys that were high profile in free agency last year that they made runs at. They just weren't able to get them because those guys, they wanted to probably go to contenders where, where they could win then. And the Panthers weren't a team that was proven. So they, they've got to convince people to come here and, and 
and play on the line and and build that way. And that's got to happen through the draft. I mean, I think if you get a solid tackle, um, I mean, I go back to to the 2003 Panthers and they they added Jordan Gross there. And, you know, he, I feel like he's a Brady Christensen is a little like that. Although Jordan came and started right tackle right away, then was able to move the left side. They need to find some players like that that can move right in and, and play. Because if you look, their offensive line doesn't have a lot of draft high draft picks over there. Yeah, and then looking forward in the future, we really don't have too many draft picks next year um, after some of the trades that Scott Ferrer has enacted, too. We have, I think, one uh, pick in the top 100 picks next year. So, yeah, not a whole lot of room to do it. I wanted to pivot um, the the questioning to someone uh, who you share a name with, who we briefly kind of touched on a little bit. Today, you asked about Cam Newton. And listen, Panther fans are in a frenzy right now, man. We've been through Teddy Bridgewater. Now Sam Darnold's looking absolutely terrible. And so many fans for so long have watched Cam Newton have to make do behind a subpar offensive line. There's even an argument to be made that when you factor in Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, that these might be some of the best weapons that Cam Newton ever had at his disposal. If he, were, if he were to be signed by the Panthers. Matt Rule wasn't necessarily open to talking about Cam Newton specifically, but I want to ask you, did you think the Panthers signing Cam Newton is actually in the cards? Is there too much bad blood between them at this point? Or do you think that that could actually be something that not only Matt Rule, but Scott Federer and Dave Tepper are interested in? No, that's not going to happen. Look, I mean, I think Cam's a, the best quarterback the Panthers have ever had. Um, if, if Cam was, you know, 2013 or 14 or 15 Cam, healthy, young, uh, mobile like he was then, yeah, you, you'd look at bringing him in. But, again, he wouldn't be on the open market if he was that player. There's a reason he's not on a team right now because he's just not the player he once was. So reason Odell Beckham. I don't think Odell Beckham – uh, is a guy that's going to really do anything wherever he goes right now because I don't think he's as fast as he was a few years ago. Uh, he, he had, a, I think, a knee injury last year, so surgery. So um, he's just not where he is. So he can't be that player. Cam was great for, for the time he was here, but his time's come and gone. And he's got, I know you've heard it from people, but his personality is so big. And, and I'm not saying his ego's big. I think he does have a big ego, but it's, it, I don't think that gets in the way. But his personality is so big. What the way Matt Rule wants to build this team, he doesn't. He doesn't want that big personality. He doesn't want that one person where all the focus. He wants it to be that team concept. And I don't think he feels like he can get that with Cam. And and Cam, you know, he's he's you know he's been humbled. I think by what's happening. Maybe he could come in and do that. But I just don't think coming here is the right move. He needs to go to a team. Um, that's got a chance of making the playoffs and needs a spark right away. I just think coming in here would just, it would be a bandaid. It wouldn't be anything that would really be building for the future. And this team needs to build for the future, not just a bandaid to get through this season. When you look at Matt rule and uh, the C, you know, it's kind of like being a president of the United States. You walk in there and you look all young and and stuff, and then you walk out the door, and they're old. As, you know, Obama looked like a child when he walked into the White House. He left looking like an old man. Um, Matt Rule 
do you think that this season, how much is it wearing on him? Do you see? And um, do you get a sense that we, for me, I thought there was no way um, he could not have a third season, but things are getting really, really bad. David, is there, how is, how is he handling it? Um, and the rigors of kind of the attention of being the head of a professional football team. Yeah. He's the least of my worries. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's ready to get a full head of gray hair and, um, and I don't think David Tepper is going to give up him on him after two seasons. I mean, he gave him a long-term deal. Uh, he, he knew that this was going to be, a, as Matt likes to call it, a process. Um, yeah, did they get a little antsy and think they could go out and start winning year two and maybe make the playoffs? I think the 3-0 and start just kind of raised the expectations too high. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, they're, they're the first three games, they faced two rookie quarterbacks. They caught the Saints at probably the most ideal time you could catch them, and the Saints aren't a great team this year either. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think he knew that this was a team that if Sam Darnold could play like he did the first three games, if the defense could turn things around and play and, and have that chemistry, that's what I said before the season. I think they had a lot of nice pieces on defense, and they could be good maybe by the middle end of the season. They actually got good right away and, and had that chemistry right away. So that part was working and Sam was working even without McCaffrey. I thought it could have worked, but when Sam started making mistakes and poor decisions and they got away from the run game completely for a few games there, I, I think that just sort of left them in a very vulnerable position that, uh, which I don't think they could recover. I, again, those early losses to the teams like Philadelphia and the giants, those were crucial. I mean, they were bad losses um, for a team that wants to make the playoffs. I know heck, Jacksonville beats the Bills. I know it happens every week. There are upsets out there. Um, who knows? The Panthers may surprise and beat the Cardinals this week. But you just consistency is the one thing this this program, this this uh, team has never had. I mean, I've covered them almost every year since the time they were formed, and they've never had back-to-back winning season. I think that speaks volumes to the one issue they've had in this organization. I tell you that Giants win. I've been going through it. I challenge anyone to go. F- I mean, the Giants lost. Excuse me, the win by the Giants. I challenge anyone to go through the annuals of Carolina Panthers football and find a worse loss than that. Yeah, you might be able to find one that was more heartbreaking or something or meant more, but that was the worst performance in the history of the team. I think. Let's just stick with this. Is the question I been- here? I covered a team that went a one in fifteen back in two thousand what one. What was the game? A lot that of year? Ugly losses there. So, uh, yeah. One was, was against the loss. Patriots that year. We got beat uh, by the Patriots, and uh, maybe it was twenty-six to three. I have three qualifications, Dave. I've been going through all the games. Here are my three qualifications for the worst loss ever. You have to score under seven points. That's the first one, right? The next one would be. Um, the off the the production of the of the team like is ultimately did you were you able to move the ball at all or anything like that and the third is who you lost to so if you lost to a team that was 12 and 4 and you got stomped that's one thing but we got stomped by a bad team and i and i just say this is there's a couple of there's a, there's three games that stick out in my mind that kind of fall into the category 1997 against the Denver Broncos we gave up two punt returns in the first quarter. Shannon Sharp, yeah, Shannon Sharp had 157 yards in the first half. 
Um, home, uh, one guy got left in a concussion. It was crazy. It was terrible. Um, Chris Winkie threw three pick sixes in one game. That one gets up there. And then the other one that really qualifies in my mind, I was at in 2010 and it was a 34 to three loss against the saints. Um, but even then, um, there was some sort of bright spot on the team. You know, it's something. It's like Clawson didn't turn it over. He just only threw 12 passes or something. It was just – anyway, um, speaking with the demeanor, the the picture of Robbie Anderson, we've seen the Robbie Anderson stalking the sideline where he goes up the street and then back down the block yelling at um, Sam Darnold's frustration. Uh, Robbie has had a, you know, a tough season on his, in his own right this year. This year. But my question to you is, if, if Matt Rule is the guy to lead and weather a storm like this, how is the team's demeanor at this point? Because I feel like we got Rob, and, may, and maybe Robbie Anderson is just the emotional kid of the bunch. But I do feel like even the defense is starting to get fatigued by the efforts that are putting out there. Um, we've heard the phrase, lost the locker room in the past, right? That kind of, uh, uh, you know, how is this team responding to rules message of team, team, process, process uh, when it's not working out? I'm going to say this. Now, the pandemic, the biggest impact this had on people like me doing my job is we don't have open locker room anymore. So we're not able to go in and talk to players away from the other reporters, away from the, the team PR staff, and kind of get a feel for where things exactly are and and develop those relationships where they're more open with us about how they feel so we don't have to, you know, ask them questions just on a podium. And it's tough to get what somebody really feels when you put them on a podium and ask questions. And um, that's one reason I like Hassan Reddick so much because as he did the, uh, yes, uh, I guess Sunday when he started talking about the, the Mac Jones play, with Brian Burns, you don't have many players on the team who will just say what they think. And we've missed that. So it's hard for me to really say exactly where this team is and with, with their attitude right now and how they feel about the coaching staff. It, it feels like it's okay. I don't feel like they're losing the locker room. I feel like, you know, they've got some strong leads. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, um, he's a strong leader in there. He doesn't say a lot to the media, but he says a lot inside the locker room. So I, I don't think they've lost that. And I think, you know, having players like him and Shaq Thompson in there, I think that's helped. But they still got a lot of young players. It's a young roster still. So, you know, it's, it's, it's it should be expected for this team not to be consistent and great every week. So I wish I could tell you more about the, the vibe in the locker room or among the players, but it, it's just hard to get that feel, you know, because we just don't – we're not around them – you know, kind of when they have their armor off or their guard off a little bit, as we've had for forever, it seems like. Curveball question real quick. Now that you mentioned that up, do you foresee those coming back anytime soon? Or is this post-COVID world, has it just done away with the locker room interviews completely? My fear is it's not coming back. Um, And I think COVID's almost – an excuse not to give us more access right now because yeah, I um, agree. I mean, I know there's people that still have COVID. I mean, I know the locker room at the Panthers, I think they're close to hundred percent, if not hundred percent right now. Um, they've had a few changes in personnel, so I can't tell you about new players that have come in, but um, I, I think the 
they like the control they have right now over the message. Um, so that that part of him bothers you a little bit because it's it's really hard to get that pulse of a team when you're not in there and get to talk to those guys. I mean, some of my sometimes I just go talk to the guys about, hey, what's life like, you know, off the field, and what's like, you know, what are you doing on Tuesdays when the rest of us are, are taking the time off or the team has a day off and getting to know them there and get a feel for them. And just, you don't see that. And even their, even the things they have with their um, foundations and all, we don't get to see that even side of it to get a little one-on-one there. So I've missed that terribly. It's been really hard to keep that pulse and get a feel. So you got to make it based off the snap judgments of what we see on the field and, you know, on the podium. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, to turn our attention to, to PJ Walker now that Sam Darnold is going to be on IR for the next four to six weeks, you know, there isn't a lot of, uh, you know, faith in, in, in P.J. Walker considering some of his performances in the past. Although I will say, and, and we have him in our chat room all the time, there is a contingent of fans who really believe in P.J. the Walker wonder. Uh, so there are some fans that are excited for him. My question is, um, what should Panther fans expect? I, I mean, Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady have now spent two years with them. They seem to feel comfortable with them. It feels as though Matt Barkley was brought in just because of the injury and as a just-in-case-something happens to P.J. Is P.J. ready to step in on short notice? And not to mention, we're about to go and play one of the hottest teams in football right now in the, in the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, is PJ up to the task? And if not, is I mean that kind of seems like a doomsday scenario for Carolina. Well, I will say this now. Remember, the Cardinals won last week without Kyler Murray. Cowboys won without Dak Prescott. There have been examples where backups have come in and done well this year. And um, my answer on that, what you just asked, basically, is it can't get worse. Uh, I just don't think that I don't think PJ is going to be worse than what we've seen out of Sam out there. Yeah, he'll make a mistake, but he also makes some big plays out there and he'll stretch the field. He'll take some chances. I think he's going to get Robbie Anderson back on track a little bit. I think that's going to be a chemistry that's going to be redeveloped. He's going to have McCaffrey in there, which he didn't have last year when he faced the Lions. That's a positive. Um, the fact that this offensive line is a little shaky, I think with uh, when, when he dances around back there, he's dancing around to make a play. I think Sam was dancing around to, to save his life if you, you know, keep from getting hurt out there, which he ultimately did anyway. So um, I like PJ. I, I think he's a, kind of a breath of fresh air. I was talking to June Jones. I don't know if you remember the June Jones days when um, he kind of turned the world upside down with his running shoot offenses um, in college and in the pros and, and in the XFL where he had uh, when he had Walker there and they were five and oh, and I think Walker had 15 touchdowns, uh, four interceptions. So, um, he's a guy that can make plays for you out there. And his problem is sometimes he tries to make too many and he makes mistakes. So they've got to, if they can cut down those mistakes, I think PJ is a guy that can help you win some games. I just don't think he's a long-term solution here uh, for what they want to come. Yeah. But I, I, when, I, you're I a, when you're a bubble player though, you got to try to make the plays. You yeah. don't have the luxury. You don't have the luxury when you're a bubble player of getting three or four extra games that you don't deserve. Sam Darnold's got more games than he deserved. PJ has gotten no – and look, as they put him in under terrible circumstances, and not to say he's going to do great, but last year 
when he was in a better circumstance, he wasn't awful. I'm not saying he's going to be better than that, but um, bubble players have to come in and make their hay right away. The guys that have the high draft stock, they get the luxury of this. All right. He didn't beat the turn. Lions, by the way. I don't know if that really counts. What's that? <laughs> he beat the Lions. I'm not sure if that really counts. And he did. Yeah, have, true. They're he bad. Did, he had two interceptions in the red zone. So, I mean, yeah. I know. It started to get worried. He was feeling good in the beginning. He was feeling good in the beginning. It got too good to him towards the end. Yeah, right. I got one more uh, question for David about right, the quarterback position. Because you mentioned long term. And another, you know, uh, another real heated discussion that Panther fans have been having is whether or not we did the right thing with our first round draft pick uh, in this most recent draft. And, you know, uh, I mean, we really like J.C. Horn. Most fans do. We really think J.C. Horn's going to be a very good player for a long time to come. He was my favorite corner coming out of college. But knowing that Justin Fields was available to be picked, and then, I mean, even to go lesser than a quarterback, if you look at how Rashawn Slater the left tackle for the Chargers is playing right now. He's playing a lights-out football. These are the two names that have really been associated uh, with the Panthers missing on those two guys, but especially Justin Fields now that we're kind of seeing some of uh, Sam Darnold's flaws kind of rear their ugly heads again. Do you believe that the Panthers organization was at any time ever high on Justin Fields? as a player and just outright, do you think they made a mistake in not drafting him? I like JC. I like the pick. I mean, I actually had him taking a cornerback in the draft. I just had the wrong one. I think I had him taking the Virginia tech corner. Um, but JC, I think is a guy that's going to make an impact. It was a shame he got hurt because what he was doing on the field, they probably wouldn't have traded for Gilmore had, had JC continued to be in the lineup. So, and I, that's why they had to give up some draft picks elsewhere, even for C.J. Henderson. So um, was it the right pick? I mean, you can second guess all day. I mean, I'm not completely sold on Justin Fields. I, I think he's a guy that's got a, a, a chance to have a bright future. Um, you know, he's not a world beater yet. He's not going to be. I, Mac Jones, in a lot of ways, surprised me because I think he fit more what they liked in a lot of ways. And Matt Rule said he loved him, and he coached him at the Senior Bowl. I was down there watching him, and they loved the guy. So I I, uh, I can't say they made a mistake, but in hindsight, uh, knowing what's going on with Sam, I, you could say that because I think they truly believe that they got had Sam Darnold, a guy that was a third pick of a draft a few years ago, that they could come in and make into a legitimate quarterback that could take him all the way. And I just think they were wrong. That scares us. That scares us being wrong consecutively. All right, uh, we got to turn the tables a little bit. You know, it's hard for, you know, you got to wonder how a team that's struggling so bad right now, how they filter out the noise. You know, is that uh, their social media is all in the presence. Robbie, Robbie Anderson, uh, who I love, is he blocked the guy. Uh, there was a guy who started a, um, a Twitter handle where he interpreted what Robbie Anderson's tweets. <laughs> and he wrote them. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was just a was beautiful trying to figure out him tweets. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was just like, and he just said them in a way that, and it was so funny. It was wonderful, but Robbie blocked him, and it was a big deal, and we're all, like, lobbying for him to unblock him. But, you know, the noise has got to be a lot for these coaches and these players, but the noise isn't limited to them alone. David, do you get affected by the noise of social media? 
not at all. Be honest. Now, how do you do it? Because they're hard on you, bro. They're hard on you. You know what? Fans are fans. I, I remember way before social media was out there, um, I made a prediction when I was covering the South Carolina Gamecocks. And, you know, the fans came down on me so hard. I I, I started getting death threats at home. When I worked for the state paper in Columbia, they had the, a guy tried to physically get in the building to want to harm me. Um, so I, you know, I got an unlisted phone number and I, you know, thank God I had good security in the building, but I, you can't let those things bother you. I mean, you gotta have a thick skin. I mean, it's just like Sam Darnold. I mean, he can't let the stuff that's been said about him bother him. If he does, you know, he'd be a basket case out there. And so, yeah, I, I listen, but I don't, you know, do I make mistakes occasionally? Yeah. If, you know, everybody does. So, uh, but no, I, I doesn't bother me at all. You guys, can keep pounding David Newton. It won't bother me at all. <laughs> it, is, it is crazy that, I mean, and this is where I think it's messed and that kind of messed up is like, everybody's like fire this person fire. Like that's the way everybody goes to. And um, I think in some ways it's created a, a more a good, good things out of it. Cody, he, uh, there is Newton. The, the Newtons are polarizing figures in Panther. <laughs> And Panther Lee. Only one of us left, okay. I, I survived. Hey, that's right. You're you're the surviving Newton, man. And listen, <laughs> we certainly thank you so much for coming on. We have 160 people watching right now. Give a thumbs up for Dave Newton coming on, being on the show. I told today. you a lot of people are ready for this, dude. Yeah, we've we've been talking about doing this for a while, so we certainly appreciate you coming on and joining us tonight. I want to go back to something that you said earlier when you were talking about Sam Darnold. You said you wanted him to show some emotion, and you said, hell, I don't care if he even gets mad at me. I wonder if, do you sometimes take that approach with players and with coaches? It seems as though you're willing to ask tough questions because you don't really care too much if you piss someone off. And I think that's what a lot of people respect about you is that you're willing to ask those kinds of questions, even if they might push a few buttons. Would you say that's true? about your style of of interviewing and is that something that you try to do and and just basically just yeah is that something that you try and do when you ask questions no i don't try to push their buttons i try to ask questions i think that need to be answered i try to uh ask things if if i was a fan out there but i'd want to know the answer to the things that i think really matter to the team and you know sometimes maybe sometimes you test the water to see what their reaction is going to be um, I pretty much know, you know, that Christian McCaffrey is never going to say anything to offend anybody. I thought today he actually came as close as he did when I asked him about Mac Jones and then the Brian Burns situation, what he thought about that. And his answer was that it was a little suspect to me, basically. And so, yeah, that was as critical as you're going to get out of him. But, you know, I don't just say stuff to piss people off because that's not my job. My job is just to ask the questions and get the answers. That's not the... It's not to get out there and make speeches either. That drives me nuts when you get reporters out that just sometimes their question lasts like a minute and a half, and you know the answer comes out with a you know one word response because it's not yeah. about me. It's not about me. It's just about me asking the question and getting out of the way and letting them answer. It. And that's kind of the way I've always seen it because um, you know I I'm just kind of the vehicle to to kind of get the message out there and. When people uh, don't give good answers, and sometimes I'll come back and ask it a different way, and that's when people think, "Hey, you know what? 
he's really trying to grade on this person. And it's really not the purpose. It's, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of what I want answered. Um, yeah. And I will say this, and this is another thing that sort of changed with the pandemic is because if I'm in a locker room and, and I'm talking to just say Sam Darnold and I've asked him a question and I didn't get the answer, I could maybe leave, come back and, and ask it again uh, when not everybody's around. But when we're asking questions on the podium, we don't know if we're going to get a second question sometimes. So right. I, I can't go out there and hand. So, yeah. If I'm doing a, like a long interview with somebody, I may throw out some really nice, gentle things to start off with and build up to the stuff that's tougher to talk about. Um, whether it's good or bad. I mean, it might be good stuff, but it's tough to talk about, but we don't have that opportunity now. So we come off some, sometimes I, in particular, I feel like I come off really direct and people get take offense to that. So, um, yeah, that, that's just now we appreciate these questions. Look, a lot of fans do appreciate this is because uh, they are. I would say this is they're like you said, not trying to push people's buttons, but a little gutsy. You like you said, test the waters on some things that need to be tested. And probably, you know, that they're going to give you a fake answer to, you know, like when you ask Joe Brady about the LSU question, you know what I want you to ask him next time. <laughs> Is is do you worry that you won't get offered the LSU job after this year? Um, do you? Okay, so um, I, I teach history at a community college. I'm a historian. I only look like this now because of COVID, and I'm tur- I turn forty tomorrow. Tomorrow's my fortieth birthday, so I'm in my midlife crisis. So I grew my hair out, and then I'm on with this podcast. I do the young stuff, but um, you know, so I follow politics. I do this. Uh, you know, Donald Trump was a mastermind of social media. He was. Is that whether we like him or not, in the good and different, this guy knew how to use social media in a way that benefited him. Um, I thought that, and almost to the point where it was genius, but I almost felt like he stumbled into the genius at times. Like it was like accidental genius. As someone who inverts names all the time, I invert names myself. Like my friend, I go on a radio station. I go on the local radio station once a week. We do football for an hour. We do picks. We do all this. I call them Jacoby Forsett. It's Jacoby Brissett. Everybody, I always get, like, I always do this. And I get my co-host. My co-hosts help me out, and they urge me along. Do any of the... are any of the things that happen on social media with you, David, are they intentional? No. Are you stumbling into greatness? No. Um, and, uh, yeah, okay. Tell me what you think about no, this. I, I, look, I, we, I, there's I, a cult following of you, by the way. I wish I could, I wish I could talk politics, but uh, ESPN discourages that. No. Bit, yeah, so, uh, don't do that. I, I don't want to do that, but uh, I love politics and uh, follow it. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I don't do that. And sometimes here's what happens sometimes. And um, and I, I use, a, I guess last week, I, I think I accidentally referred to uh, uh, Phil Snow as Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Yeah, because I literally was running late traffic or whatever. I got to the stadium. Joe was already going on the podium. I'm unpacking my bag. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to send stuff out with twi- Twitter, send stuff out to other avenues. I'm, I'm multitasking and, you know. I just had 
a brain, you know what? And yeah, it doesn't. It and that's, that happens to everybody. That happens to everybody. I hate how people act like that's an unforgiving thing. And if people get upset about that, then, you know, let them be upset. I'm not going to worry about it because there are more important things in, in my life than worrying about, you know, a mistake on Twitter, to be honest. I don't, and I don't do it intentionally. I would love to be perfect. Yeah. Out there. I, the Panthers would love to be perfect. Sam Darnold would love to be perfect. None of us are perfect. Uh, we all we all make mistakes out there. But uh, again, my my job, those that ask the questions and get the, the answers out there and hopefully give you guys stories you'll read. I was hoping it was on not on purpose that you mistakes are on purpose, but it really stirs people's emotions like crazy. One of the fav, my most favorite moments, and it's the smallest thing. It wasn't even anything that needs to even be talked about. But uh, you put up a tweet that said Christian McCaffrey first to arrive at training camp. And the picture for the blog was not Christian McCaffrey. And people went nutso. They were like, oh, my God, fire David Newton, wrong person. And I thought this is like, I'm going to start doing this on my own podcast. I'm going to start putting Cody Lashney's face up and say we got some. Basketball. Anyway, uh, well, no, I, I've been, I, I don't write the I don't write the headlines. You don't. I don't pick the pictures. Oh, the okay. oh, tell um, us about that. We've ne- what's the process? Like, what's the process then? Because you well, put out a ton of content. We'll have a suggested headline. And okay. the editor back at ESPN um, in Bristol, Connecticut, they put the headlines on the stories. Oh, okay. Occasionally, my suggested headline may be good enough where they say, we'll take it. Um, and, and probably the, the greatest one that, that got me the most heat um, in the last whatever is the one when I guess David Tepper was uh, talking, what, three or so years ago, and they were asking about Cam, what are you going to do, his shoulder, blah, blah, blah. And he said, he he brought it up. He said, well, if, if it takes doing what they did with Andrew Luck, we'll give him the year off. And then somebody followed up with that and said, would you, you know, would you do that? He said, if that's what it took, we would. But the headline that somebody else wrote, and I'm not passing the blame because I no, no, right? It's your part of the organization. Um, it's part the of the system. The headline said Tepper suggests that the Panthers are going to sit Cam Newton. Well, Tepper wasn't suggesting that's what they were going to do. The headline was not right. So I wow. See, we I, didn't know that. See, we didn't know these I, things. Yeah, I called, I, had I, called, no idea. I called. I called. I said we got to change that. That's not right. It takes about 30 minutes in the process of going through sure. the whole you know, change process. And it got changed. But, you know, by then, David Tepper's already mad at me, you know, because he thought yeah. I wrote the headline. And I'm like, well, you know, anyway, so that, that that's just part of the inside of the business. And it's always been that way. And I think more writers have gotten in trouble about things they've got had in a headline that they had no control over than anything. Wow. I'm very curious, very curious. And that, you know what? That's why we asked these questions. Uh, my last question, I'll let get, uh, Cody get his last question in. What questions, since you're the question asker, right? You're the one that asked the, in my opinion, at least in the last two years has been asking the, the questions I want to know, or at least want someone to ask. What are we not asking you about this team? What are we like if you were gonna yeah, what are we not asking you that we should be thinking about? 
and I, you probably just danced around it. Is this what's what do you see as this team future? I mean, I think you kind of hinted is Matt Rule gonna or in over his head, and I don't think he is at this point. Um, I think will he have to make some changes, maybe even with his staff personnel during the offseason? Probably so, but you see that. You know, Ron Rivera was a veteran coach, and he had to make changes as time went by. Ron took over the play calling on defense at one time, if you recall. So um, I, I don't think the future is all you know doom and gloom like people are feeling right now because they've lost, what, mm-hmm. five out of six. So uh, losing tends to, to make people uh, a little more know, paranoid or just – it just triggers reactions into the, the things that they normally wouldn't say. And I'll give you, this is an example. Like when I was covering college football way back when the Gamecock started off 0-5. And there was this one woman that she would call me. I mean, she was like, you know, twice my age, calling me, just harassing me all the time. You're horrible, blah, blah, blah. And then this young quarterback, long blonde hair came in named Steve Tannehill, um, won, what, five out of the last six games. He was a Sports Illustrated Rookie of the Year. And I ran into that woman during the offseason. She said, you know what, David? You became a much better writer the second half of the season. <laughs> and I said, you think it had something to do with the fact that they won five of their last six games and they didn't lose them all? And she said, well, that might have something to do with it. So, yeah. A lot of t- when teams are losing, they want to. Bl- people want to blame the fan. That's why I don't pay attention to everything that's out- happening out there in social media. When teams start losing, people want to blame everybody, including the writers. We take the heat. The coaching staff takes the heat. Everybody's to blame, except sometimes what's really to blame. And and what really to blame is this team is just young and and growing and and has a chance in the future, I think, to do well. But they're just not there yet. I see it feels worse than 2012. All right, come on. Who is this saying the Gamecocks never went 0 and 5? Come on. <laughs> yeah, if, Gamecocks fans are delusional. I'm a club fan, so it feels, I know that this, firsthand how delusional they are. This team feels worse than 2012, though. And the 2012 season was Ron Rivera's second season. Um, there were calls at this point in the season. For Ron Rivera's in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. Let's fire this fool. All of this. And then the next year, we add the two pieces on the defensive tackle and we go 12 and four and have like one of the better defenses. Now, this defense feels good, but it just really, we're kind of just so off put by the misses in free agency and the decision making of the direction that we feel like if it's all about process and building. Right, like one step forward, one step forward. Last year, we were actually very pleased with the forward steps. It feels like we took steps back organizationally in the building process this year, and that I think is the scary part. Where now we're we're starting to wonder, man, do these guys? Maybe it's not, or maybe they don't know what they're doing with the personnel part. Maybe uh, Joe Brady doesn't really know have enough experience. And now we're asking these kind of like almost like um, existential questions about the team's direction. And that is unsettling. That's why I think people are like this, because it just feels funky right now that the offense is so bad 
and yeah. they and they had a hand in it. That's the thing. It's not like, oh, we just got hurt. We got these injuries. They had a hand in it. And that's what the scary part is. All right, go, Cody, and then let's let my man out of here. Don't forget, all- don't forget, you mentioned that 13 team because, yeah, they've gone through Cam Newton's first two seasons losing record. I mean, yeah, Superman, but Superman couldn't get them to winning record his first two seasons. They started, what, one and three, I believe, in 2013, and then they caught fire. I mean, people were calling yeah. Ron's head in 2013, and all of a sudden they won, what, seven, eight, whatever in a row, and – one 12 and four and one NFC uh, South. So um, sometimes you just never know, but they had a quarterback then and right. you, saw, you saw the potential then. And then two years after that, Cam's the MVP, the team's in the Super Bowl. The problem for this team is they've not had a quarterback uh, or Jordan or, Gross. And they don't have a quarterback right now that, that can take them to that level. And, and a lot of teams don't. I mean, you look around the league, I mean, a, there are a lot of bad teams out there, a lot of average teams out there. So four and five is, is why it may look dismal to them because that was a three and no start. There are a lot of teams in that same boat out there. So that's what the NFL wants. The NFL wants parity. They want they want upsets. They want this time of, of back and forth. So, you know, if they go out there and beat Arizona next week, everybody's going to start talking like, oh, my gosh, we got a chance to make the playoffs again. But that's not realistic either. Yeah. Again, Dave, we thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. This will be my final question for you. You mentioned earlier that David Tepper had gotten uh, upset uh, with you at one point or another. So my question to you is this. If you could ask David Tepper any question you wanted to at all right now, what would that question be for David Tepper? If you could ask him absolutely anything don't know if i need that well, to get back to david tepper right now but uh <laughs> i may okay. not give you the question that i would want to ask him but uh I, just how patient are you because i don't get the feeling you're very patient at all you've been successful yeah. at every portion of your business but you said when you first got the team i'm going to be patient i know it's going to take time i've got matt rule it's going to take time but somewhere between saying that and year two under Matt Rule, seems like the patience is, is disappeared. So um, I, that's probably not the question I would ask him. There's some others I'd like to ask him, but uh, right, yeah, that that's one's, what you're going to say for say, us. I'm going to say that because I don't want him to know it's coming when I when I ask it. Right? Um, have you heard we don't of the think revenge? David Tepper watches this, by the way. Though it'd be cool if oh, he, he does. I bet you he does. I know. I bet you he does more than. Somebody else, but anyway, have you heard of the Revenge Mansion? No. Oh, Google it. The Revenge Mansion. There's a story that surrounds David Tepper that when he worked for, I guess it was Goldman Sachs or whoever it was originally, and he was uh, up and coming VP or under a VP, goes to then he's like he has a great couple of years and is supposed to get this kind of in line to be the next promotion guy and he doesn't get it and his boss kind of takes the credit for it or whatever no i have heard that story and then the story goes that he leaves the company goes and starts appalooza and then he buys his old boss's house and has it torn down i did know that i want to know that's what i want to be like i want to be like this is first should I short or should I buy Tepper? 
And second, let's talk about this revenge mansion. Now, I've, I've just never heard that title, so I have heard I have heard that story. I've never heard of the revenge mansion. But by the way, you know David Tepper bought John Fox's house at uh <laughs> and, oh, and and he's probably spent more or as I don't know the exact figure, but from somebody I've talked to said that he may have spent about as much trying to remodel it. So he's not tearing it down, but he's revamping it. Yeah, same thing. It cost him to, to buy it. So um is that Jerry Richardson statue in the backyard? And like uh I don't think so. And I don't think they're gonna put it on the fourteenth <laughs> screen over there that he overlooks. But uh yeah, I mean people with a lot of money can afford to do those things. I uh Bob McNair, when he was still alive and owned the Texans, um, I went to his house in um in Houston to do a story because he was a University of South Carolina graduate. So uh he was telling me how he bought the the million dollar plus home next to him and tore it down because he wanted to put a garden over there. So when you got money, you can do anything. Man, fantastic stuff. Again, I, we can't thank you enough. I mean, truly, we are fans of your work um, and we are supporters. First of all, we're content supporters. We understand that you're out there pounding the streets, working hard, um, putting out and working a lot, man. I mean, I tell you, you're putting out stories all the time, putting out the keeping us informed in social media. And we appreciate it. You allow us to kind of live vicariously of people who get to have access. So we thank you for your ample time tonight. I know we took way more than I probably implied to you. Um, hopefully we had a good enough time that maybe after this season, we try not to recycle our guests too much before they get mad at us, but maybe we can catch up with you another time and, p- and pick your brain. Yeah, we can do it. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I don't get the chance to do this to, the, the hear voices of the fans um, and, you know, and you guys, I guess, are fans. So, um, yeah, it, no, we don't try to be journalists. It's interesting to hear that perspective, too, because uh, I, I do listen to the fans. Um, I don't let social media bother me because I've been around it too long. It's again, it's not worth my hair for my age to still be mostly blonde. It does. It looks good. It looks good. <laughs> and, um, and Dave, listen, I, I can promise you for whatever haters you had before this, after coming on the show tonight, I promise you've made some fans. Our, our, our chat room is I made one. I made one. I'm, 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 I'm not going to get fans. Uh, I, just, I just want people to read and and, and be. Uh, I hope educated a little bit and learn something from from what we put out there. Wish we could write more um, every day, like we did in the early days of uh, NFL Nation, where we had three or four stories a day. We're not that. We're not doing that anymore. But. Uh, um, I hope the stories we do put out there are at least quality enough where it informs you and lets you know a little more about what's going on out there. Fantastic awesome. stuff, man. Right, Thank guys. you so much. And we'll catch, we'll catch up with you another time. Have a good night. Appreciate it. Thanks up. All right. Thanks. David. Wonderful. That's David Newton folks, man. Uh, fantastic. That's a big get for me. And I know that it sounds like, uh, like I'm going crazy, but I've been, I, I told you, I've been telling you that he, has been getting it done and i've been saying for weeks and people are like oh no david Newton, that, that, that's what they always try to say pulse. hey listen i, I, I was being honest on the pulse, he, baby. He, he he made some fans here tonight uh and listen I, really good stuff from him too man learning about you know how just all the different things that go into writing a story and making a story and preparing a, a story you know i, I know being a, an espn B reporter certainly isn't an easy job to do. So yeah, fantastic stuff tonight. Uh, yeah, that was uh, 
I think this is the most viewers we've ever had for a for a, a C3 beat check. So yeah, um, definitely, yeah we're, definitely. we're at 100, 161 people watching right now. We definitely appreciate you all coming in and, and hanging out with us tonight and uh, coming in for these questions. I think we did good, uh, Tony. I think we had some uh, some legit questions. I wanted to make sure that we tried to ask a David Newton question, not let my man just get the softballs only. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get out of here, Cody, and uh, maybe circle back, and I'm going to bust your head on some debates in a second. You wish. C3 family, hit the like button, hit the subscribe, hit the notification bell so that way you get updated every single time your boys go live. You know we're on more days than we aren't. You know we love you. Peace and love. Keep pounding. Until next time, keep pounding. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.